Um, so I hope your, the first morning of the first Neighborhood Empowerment Summit was uh, enjoyable from the feedback we're getting. Um, people seem to have enjoyed it. Well, vote by applause. How's that? Yay. And we hope you enjoy the lunch as well. So we'd like to begin the midday portion of today's uh, summit, and that is uh, the keynote address uh, that will be presented by LaToya Cantrell of the Broadmoor Improvement Association of New Orleans. And so uh, I'd like to uh, get that started in just a moment. There are a few things that I wanted to bring to your attention. One is, is that the evaluation form that's in your folder uh, on the right side, second page, or the left side, second page, is really critical to us. A lot of people have come up and already provide us with a really a lot of great insight and ways we can uh, improve things here. And so uh, we really like to get that documented so we can codify it and make sure that in the future um, we advance instead of remain consistently stale. Um, be before uh, LaToya comes and joins us, though, though, we are honored to have Mishkan Afshan of the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, our Congresswoman in the Speaker House here, to read a letter from the Speaker um, uh, on her behalf. Mishkan, can you join us? Thank you, Daniel, for all of your hard work, and thank you, everybody, for being here today. Unfortunately, Speaker Pelosi couldn't be here. She's back in Washington, D.C. after arriving from Berlin in the G8 summit, but this event is very important, and she wanted to give her uh, greeting uh, in this letter, and it reads, Dear friends, I am delighted to extend my support for the 2007 Neighborhood Empowerment Summit in San Francisco. This innovative resource fair will foster communication and strategic solutions to the over 100 neighborhoods in San Francisco. Through the collaborative efforts of multiple city agencies, local nonprofits, and committed community leaders, all of the San Francisco's unique communities are empowered to share their experiences and collective ideas. With the goal of building stronger, safer, cleaner communities through cooperation and civic engagement, Today's summit will certainly exceed our expectations. I am proud to represent San Francisco, a city known as a center of dynamic innovation. Today's summit will serve as a model for other cities across America. Thank you for this opportunity, Mayor Newsom and, Lato and Latoya Cantrell, to congratulate Daniel Holmesy of the Mayor's Office of Neighborhood Services for leading today's great event and for launching of the Neighborhood Empowerment Network website, empowersf.org. The revitalization of our beautiful communities can succeed when we work together with a common vision. Best regards, Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. just amazing. That young lady actually started as an intern in our office, I believe, three years ago and just came in and said, you know what, I want to make a difference and this seems like a good place to start. And just, We should applaud her success. It's just amazing. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce your mayor, Gavin C. Newsom. Thanks, Dana. Thank you all very much uh, for coming out. I, and again, big round of applause to Daniel Holmes, all his hard work bringing this thing together, getting many here, and of course, all the staff and volunteers, uh, Mayor's Office, Neighborhood Services, and other departments that are, are here, we're very thankful. Uh, 
Daniel has been talking about this for what seems like a millennium. Uh, you know, you can imagine being the head of mayor's office of neighborhood services, uh, how demanding that job is. Uh, the calls you get for service, and we've got these, these liaisons to the districts and how overwhelmed some of them are. Uh, we've had a lot of budget cuts over the years. Uh, the office used to have two or three people representing each district. Now you've got one person representing two or three districts because of budget cuts over the years. Uh, but the expectations are always rising in terms of what you expect out of that department. And so in an effort to try to meet those expectations, Daniel's always been looking at best practices and looking at different ways of doing things, trying to find a more entrepreneurial approach to dealing with the challenges that exist in our diverse neighborhoods. Uh, consequence of that, he came up with this idea of a summit, came up with this idea that picked up on some of the best practices that we had engaged in by creating a model for 109 cities through Project Homeless Connect, where we got all of the disparate city agencies and nonprofits, community leaders, and others under one roof. We do that every six or so weeks here at the Bill Graham Civic Auditorium. Uh, thousands of people come together. And if any of you haven't been to Project Homeless Connect, I cannot encourage you more as a human being to come down and experience it. I don't say that as a representative of an organization to come down. I don't say that as a community leader to come down. I say that as a human being that wants to experience something ennobling, something enlightening, something remarkable, and that is thousands of homeless people, nameless, faceless people, in so many cases, folks you drive by, folks you step over, folks you simply turn your back oftentimes to for no negative reason, but just because you're moving on with your life, they come here and find a sense of purpose, hope, and dignity, and identity, because thousands of volunteers try to connect with them in a real way. We have people who have their feet washed, which in and of itself is a remarkable thing. Then to have a podiatrist there to help solve any problems they have with their feet. Uh, we have folks that are volunteering, giving away um, free eye exams, and then giving away glasses in real time. You've got folks with wheelchairs, that can't afford to have their wheelchairs fixed. And here we've got a wheel, it's like almost a, uh, it's like a mechanic station, but for wheelchairs. Uh, having seen that, those folks get those wheelchairs fixed. We had a dental exam uh, that we provided on site. It's a long-winded way of saying that we started to connect all these disparate needs of individuals. And Daniel took a look at that and said, boy, can we extend that to neighborhood services and neighborhood empowerment? Can we extend that to providing best practices that may be done at a nonprofit helping homeless, but that few people know about because they're not in their community? And can we take that model of neighborhood organizations that are doing great work, that need to share that great work, and help empower other communities to do something similarly by doing what we're doing here today? So that was the genesis of this idea. And I just think it's a great idea. Empowerment's what it's all about. It's giving people the tools to succeed and make a difference for themselves 
and for residents in their neighborhood. It's not about a top-down approach. No proclamation, no hearing, no resolution is going to solve the problems in our neighborhoods. The only way the problems in our neighborhoods get solved is when people come together and they say, you know what, we've had enough. We want to make a difference. We want to contribute our time and our talent and our tenacity by gauging with one another and really becoming part of that change. Now, what you're seeing up here with these slides is also the spirit of why we're here. These are images that Daniel took uh, in New Orleans, in the Broadmoor community. And we have a special guest here today that's going to talk to you about the real meaning of empowerment. Uh, you can imagine, you know, for all our challenges, doesn't matter what neighborhood we're in, compare our challenges to the challenges you see up there in the images. Uh, even our worst days, we don't have to deal with the reality and the travails associated with what happened with Katrina. Yet, like so many of you that have been sparks of hope, sparks of imagination, uh, people that believe and are engaged, we have someone that will talk about how she has sparked the imagination and the engagement uh, of a city that was ready to abandon not just her, but the entire Broadmoor community. In fact, the mayor, who's a friend, this is not a critique, uh, Mayor Nagin put together after the challenges uh, in Katrina, put together a diverse group of what we always say the best and the brightest that came up with a pretty bad idea. We don't always get it right. And they said, Broadmoor, this neighborhood near downtown, had been just wiped out. And they said, you know what, and it ain't even worth bringing back. We're just going to make it open space. And the speaker that I'm going to introduce in a moment, she, like many of you, would say, oh, wait, that's my community. That's my neighborhood. And you made that decision without us in mind. The community was forced to leave. They weren't even part of this discussion. And she said, like so many of you have said to me and to others, uh-uh, that's not the way it's going to be. And she stepped up and stepped in, and she was heard. And a consequence of that is she has not only made a difference by empowering the Broadmoor community as the head of the Improvement Association, but she woke not just City Hall up to the fact that there are real people whose real lives are being affected by the decisions that are being made someplace else, but she's made an impact nationally. I found out about her through the Clinton Global Initiative, where I had the privilege of going a year ago to speak about our environmental initiatives in New York City. Harvard also learned of her. And a very well-known philanthropist in San Francisco, Walter Shorenstein, heard about her. And they connected the dots through the Clinton Initiative, through Harvard, through Shorenstein, and through the city. We decided we would create some twinning relationship, some almost neighborhood, sister, sister neighborhood, as opposed to sister city relationship with Broadmoor, and see if we can help. You know, it's interesting. We do all these relationships with cities around the world, 
but we don't even help our neighbors just down the road. And it's really been a remarkable experience for guys like Ed Lee, our CAO, for Daniel and others that have gone to Broadmoor and felt this remarkable connection and have felt this great sense of responsibility to help out. And in the spirit of that, we asked Latoya Gantrell to come here and talk about her struggle, her challenges, and her resolve. Because I think what she represents is the best of what so many of you represent. And for the grace of God, every single one of us could be put in the same position as Latoya. But how many of us would have the courage to become Latoya and actually step up and not give up? And so that's why we thought we couldn't get a better speaker today for a neighborhood empowerment network initiative than someone who has empowered her neighborhood and networked her community across now this country and notably and significantly here in San Francisco to talk about what she's done. She's an inspiration. She's been featured in Time Magazine, New York Times, Wall Street Journal. They even tried to get her to run for political office, but this is how smart she was. She said, why would I do that when I can do so much more as the head of the Broadmoor Improvement Association? Ladies and gentlemen, our keynote speaker, big round of applause to Latoya Cantrell. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you so much. You know, it really is an honor and a, a privilege to be with you today uh, among neighbors. I feel right at home because there's nothing better than um, grassroots. And I think that that's exactly what we all represent um, here today, our neighborhoods, our communities. And that's, it, that's really what makes all the difference. Um, I do want to thank uh, Mayor Newsom, as he mentioned, we have a strong partnership with the city of San Francisco. Uh, I'm telling you, um, the city officials have been down for about three times now, have um, helped us uh, form uh, partnerships also with other entities within the city like uh, Digitus Media Inc. and Plan Ready, who's an emergency preparedness software. Uh, they have come in and purchased lawn equipment to help us uh, keep and maintain lawns and help people come home and bring them home. And so um, looking out and seeing Ed Lee, the CAO, and, and Daniel Holmesley, who's just an inspiration in, in and of itself, uh, I just really uh, just want to say thank you. Uh, I'm going to... Um, just jump right in, and, and as you know, my name is LaToya Cantrell. I am a native, actually, of California, Southern California. So I grew up planning for earthquakes, going through the earthquake drills and getting under your desk in school and standing in your doorways at homes and things like that. I uh, attended uh, Xavier University of Louisiana. That's what brought me to New Orleans in the 90s, and uh, my soul found its home in that city and I just have not left and I will not go and um, and that's exactly um, while I chose to return and help 
my community come back better and stronger than it was before. Uh, I was engaged in the Broadmoor Improvement Association pre-Katrina. I had the pleasure of serving as president uh, right before the storm, starting the year of 2005. The neighborhood organization was actually formed as the Broadmoor Civic Improvement Association in 1930. In 1970, it was incorporated as the Broadmoor Improvement Association. So one of the pieces of the message that I do want to bring to you all uh, is just very important for us to organize ourselves now, build our community and our capacity today. Uh, and, and, and this will allow us and aid us in our recovery uh, should a natural disaster strike. And so I will start with um, just, you know, moving forward, just kind of taking us through some of the challenges of Broadmoor. But really, it's the lessons that Broadmoor uh, neighbors that we learned and possibly that we can share them with you to help you prepare and to build your own capacity uh, should disaster strike. Um, the Broadmoor community, uh, this is an um, example of Broadmoor. We're 151 square blocks. We are centrally located. The little circle you see is circled around Broadmoor. Uh, we're in the heart of New Orleans. It is an uh, extremely diverse community. It's a microcosm of the city of New Orleans demographically and socioeconomically. It was home to 7,000 residents pre-Katrina, and about 66% of our homeowners have returned. We have 2,400 properties uh, in the neighborhood, and we are now leading the city in recovery uh, because of our organization and being, being together uh, pre-disaster. It, it really has aided us in our recovery post, uh, being one of the first neighborhoods to uh, release a redevelopment plan for its community in in July of 2006, in which we started planning in January of 2006, so really just about seven months of uh, real planning. But the message here is that we can, uh, we can start, or you can really start, your planning today. You don't have to wait. And that was one of the things that um, when Daniel and Ed visited Broadmoor, they said, hey, we can really get our people involved now because uh, it's not a matter of um, if, it's just a matter of, of when, and we're all vulnerable. So these are just some pictures of Broadmoor, the homes. We are a national historic district. Uh, we have over five vernacular housing styles in Broadmoor. And, um, you know, it's, it's just a great place, and we were not uh, going to allow a group of uh, uh, so-called um, uh, constituents of Broadmoor or even of the city to determine that we were not going to come back and to say that our neighborhood was not viable when our homes were not uh, uh, off their structures. They were sound. They were structurally sound. This neighborhood was built in 1905, between 1905 and 1920. And as you see, some of the homes, well, most of them are raised basement homes, what we call your living quarters are really on your second level. So they're not on your, your first. Your first is more basement, storage space, uh, that sort of thing. But the purpose, the real purpose here uh, today is for us to strengthen and empower 
our neighborhoods to take responsibility for not only our own fate, but that of your neighbors and your neighborhood. And we have to build our capacity, our human and social capacity within our neighborhoods. That's really a lesson that Broadmoor has learned. It's about building community. And you can only do that when you come together um, as neighbors, as you build the trust, because it really does matter. And it will encourage neighborhood resiliency in the face of a natural disaster and resiliency in the face of social, economic, and political uh, challenges that do arise uh, once uh, you're in that post-disaster mode, uh, like the Bring Back New Orleans Commission making this recommendation about Broadmoor. That was a challenge, and we had to deal with that challenge. But because we were organized, it did aid us in that. And just a statement that I wanted to just to, to make about, um, and I can't get the clicker to click with me. Okay. I wanted to share this with you and just so you can remi to remind you that we are a part of nature, whether we live in a city or a forest. And as a part of nature, we are going to encounter natural hazards. And these hazards only become disasters at a point when they interface with our vulnerable systems. And through neighborhood level empowerment and preparedness, we can lessen the vulnerabilities of our communities and mitigate the, effective, the effects of natural hazards. And that's one of the reasons why the city of San Francisco has prepared this uh, network for you today of nonprofit organizations and, and, and different, and bringing all of your neighborhood organizations together so you can begin to build that level of capacity. Looking here, we call this in Broadmoor our six-point redevelopment strategy. Now, this became clear to us after Katrina, and how were we going to uh, galvanize ourselves? How were we going to build partnerships to assist us in our recovery? Well, you can create your will today, and that is in the center of this will is the community, is your neighborhood. It starts with you. You have government support is one of your arms. Government now is trying to help you plan and prepare and get you focused and empower you to really make a difference. You can build relationships with your nonprofit organizations that, that uh, private sector as well, corporations and foundations. A part of one of the breakout sessions today was about helping you uh, learn how to write grants to get you on that path to getting those additional resources in your community now. Uh, with your faith-based communities, that's extremely critical. Notice and realize that they are a part of your communities now and lean on them today. This was one of the things that we had to learn after the storm. But I tell you, creating this, this will has gotten Broadmoor where we are now, leading the city in recovery. And I just wanted to share just with your, with your, your universities, um, as uh, the mayor mentioned, we now have a former partnership with the Kennedy School of Government, who has uh, provided over 90 interns, uh, graduate interns, coming to the Broadmoor community for spring break, for the summer, um, for two years now, who have provided us with expertise and conducted research and aided us in developing uh, a comprehensive, credible redevelopment plan. 
the purpose here today is to get you to understand that these relationships can really happen now and they will aid us and aid you in your recovery. I'm going to back up here. So building that community and building the trust, and I go back to saying it helps in post-disaster recovery. Uh, the trust uh, is, is so important, I can't stress to you. Uh, if Broadmoor was not organized before the storm, I'm sure that different fractions could have broken out within that community that would have prevented us from coming together as one unit. So being actively engaged pre-Katrina really had an impact. So it discourages neighborhood fragmentations and it encourages community involvement. And you will see an increase in uh, new leadership coming about but you can try to, your best today to get more people involved, uh, knock on doors, have social events. They're very important. I was listening to Lila Gill in one of the empowerment um, the, uh, briefs this afternoon saying how they have building their social capacity, having uh, parties, and some people laugh, but that's how you build community. It's coming together. It, there's no other way because we're more than just bricks and mortars. We're people. We're social. And you want to encourage this new leadership. And this is one of the things that um, after the storm, when, when I uh, held the first general meeting in Broadmoor in January of 2006, you know, we had over 600 people show up at that meeting. When pre-Katrina, I may have had 75. But we embraced our new uh, residents stepping up to the plate to get involved. We appointed new folks that had not been around before, but it, it aided us in our ability to, to, to help ourselves. So in, I encourage you to always want to and try to expand that circle of inclusion to uh, make sure that you're representative of the diversity that exists within your neighborhood. And this will help us jumpstart recovery. And I don't want us to think that, oh, well, this happened to... New Orleans, and, and this is not a part of our reality today. But as I mentioned earlier, we are vulnerable. We all are. And um, hurricane season for New Orleans and, and Louisiana comes once a year. We know June 1st through November 1. And we also know that earthquake season is really every day. You just never know. So I don't want you to have blinders on to think that this is not a part of reality right now because it can happen. So begin to, to organize today. This is just an example of a meeting flyers that we had in Broadmoor post-Katrina, galvanizing our residents and having Broadmoor festivals and emergency preparedness festivals to get our people engaged and involved. Uh, some of the other things that you can do today is start developing repopulation strategies. In the event a disaster happens, how are you going to find your people? How are you going to engage them and, and determine what their needs and their barriers are? Um, these are things that you can have in place right now. But for Broadmoor, we had to do this in the aftermath. And so these, I just really can't stress to you enough to make sure that um, you incorporate uh, your, your vision and your strategies. 
block captains really aided us uh, in our recovery. Uh, block captains are people living on blocks who stepped up to say, I will be the eyes and ears of, of my area. I will uh, walk around and see who's back and who's not and what their intentions are and what their barriers may be. I will do that. So our block captain program is still alive now. Uh, we have restructured it in a way because now we're moving from who's back and, and who's back and who's not to really dealing with the quality of life issues that arise on a daily basis, uh, whether it's um, you know, crime, whether it's just blight, whether it's zoning issues, people rebuilding and not adhering to those zoning laws, it's just constant. I would also um, just take you through marketing your neighborhoods now, starting to, uh, we were able, Digitus Media Inc., as I mentioned earlier, who was um, a company, corporation in San Francisco, provided us with light post banners at no cost in which we were able to put them all through the neighborhood. They allowed us, um, afforded us the opportunity to have banners um, and, um, what do you call them, um, uh, I can't think of the name of them, billboards, that's what I'm thinking of, throughout the neighborhood to proclaim that Broadmoor lives. But it really had a major impact on people buying into the momentum, getting involved in the community, and feeling like my neighborhood is coming back, and it's coming back better than it was before. Just trying to get this going. Okay. And communication. These are things, again, you can do now. Websites, and I'm pretty sure, and listening to many of the leaders in the briefing ses the sessions, a lot of you have uh, the uh, communications going now. Uh, website, and we were able to do online forums with our residents who were not uh, back in the city, who were still displaced, to find out what those barriers were, what they are, continue to be. Uh, we were able to uh, reach out and, and link them to uh, services that could aid them into coming home and to help them do so. You can also look at housing issues. How are you going to address uh, the infrastructure as soon as that disaster strikes? How will you do that? And one of the things I'm, I'm just telling you this is that regardless as to how government helps you prepare, you will really have to depend on one another when a disaster comes. It is your neighbors who will be first responders in your community. It's, it's you know, your first responders in terms of police officers and firefighters. It takes time for them to get to everyone. So you're going to have to look out for yourselves and for your neighbors. So come up with those housing strategies now. A Plan Ready, Inc. Uh, one of uh, San Francisco's emergency preparedness um, uh, companies uh, provided us with the opportunity to do a survey of our community. We went down and took pictures of every property in the neighborhood, 2,400 properties, and they have uploaded those um, uh, properties on their database so we can see in real time and first responders can see in real time where our special needs reside, where are the, the, uh, the gas meters so first responders will know where they are, where are our uh, senior citizens living, where are our pets in the event of a disaster. So this has helped us 
and, and they're in your backyard, so you can really lean on them to help you as well. And of course, you never uh, can forget to listen to your people. This is one of our residents, and he's really saying what he feels, and he wants to be heard. And we have to make sure that we, we listen to our people and aid them. Um, education was identified as a top uh, barrier for people returning home to Broadmoor. And as you know, and just post-disaster, we have to figure out how are we going to restore uh, public education in our communities. So it's just, it's not just a Broadmoor issue, it will be an issue for all of us if another disaster strikes. So education is very important, and the young people in our community, the children are important. And of course, your public structures. This is um, a, a, just a picture of our library after it had been gutted uh, after Katrina. And uh, folks in the corner there, we had a neighborhood cleanup, cleaning up the library grounds. And uh, it sits in the center of our neighborhood. And the community uh, determined that the restoration of our public library was vital uh, to our recovery process because it's a place where you share information, you get information, and build community in the process. So it is definitely one of our top priorities today. And since then, and through this, that will, that, um, that will of recovery, that strategy I showed you earlier, was also through forming partnerships. And I'm really happy to say today that the Broadmoor community has been able to raise $2.3 million privately on our own to restore our library. And so it's now a top priority in the city, and we will um, hopefully see it renovated uh, within the start, the renovation within the next couple of months. But again, the people raised that money. We wrote grants to bring our library back. And so these are some of the things that you can do should a disaster happen. We cannot just depend on, on government. We have to depend on ourselves. And that's a part of the message here this afternoon. And security, uh, just that making sure that you know, we're safe. And those quality of life issues I talked about earlier, we can do a lot of this planning today. So just learn from Broadmoor because we really want to ensure that not only Broadmoor comes back and not only New Orleans comes back, but there will be a time where, where um, New Orleans will have to step up and aid possibly San Francisco. You know, who knows? But in that event, we want to be there for you. And so we're showing you just by me being here today that that level of commitment is there because I'm here with you now. And so. And as we move forward and we're talking about engaging our residents to help us prepare for how we can uh, help ourselves. And one of the briefing workshops was talking about getting prepared for an earthquake. What are the materials that we need? What are the supplies that we need? And we've learned, Broadmoor, we've learned uh, that um, we can no longer not be prepared. Uh, so we have established workshops and expos throughout the neighborhood to get people focused on 
hurricane season. We have provided them with go kits. And for hurricanes, you do get a warning. And it may be last minute. And with Katrina, that was the first mandatory evacuation ever issued in the city of New Orleans. And so now we really want people to know you hear the voluntary evacuation, make your moves now. You know, map out your routes now. Do not wait. These are things that we can do today. And we have to prepare for the unexpected. The loss of communications and the power outages and even fires that happen after earthquakes and the supplies shortages and, and the food and the water that you all have to, to store. And for, for Broadmoreans and for New Orleanians, we don't need to, um, to pretty much go to the grocery store and stock up. It's getting what you need to get on that road to get out of there because um, there is no uh, last resort, place of last resort in the city of New Orleans now. Everyone will have to leave. And so we are just trying to prepare ourselves and our residents for them to get out. And um, we can't be afraid to talk to our residents and to encourage them. So what you see here is just an example. It's a neighborhood-based evacuation planning guide that uh, Broadmoor has come up with um, the, um, again, the partnerships that I talked about, one of our interns, uh, Ariana Tipper, uh, took the lead on helping us establish this neighborhood evacuation guide. So, again, you can take from what we've done and, and tailor it to your natural disaster, but this is something that we have, we have to do. So we held a workshop and, and, and had all of um, the agencies that would aid us in a recovery there. And, and we had even, uh, we provided residents with text messaging assistance for our elderly who never had text before. Because one of the things that we realized, well, after uh, the storm, well, we could not use our cell phones even when we were evacuated. The cell phones were down. But one of the things you could do, you can text. It was very interesting. You can send a text message. And so we're trying to uh, get our, our residents, um, uh, give, them, uh, give them the knowledge to do that should we need to evacuate uh, again. And uh, this is just a, an example of a flyer uh, for our expo. And, and you have to tailor it to the diversity of your community, making sure that what other uh, dialects or languages that are present in your neighborhood, that you, you address that. And you make sure that you're inclusive uh, to everyone. Just an example of um, our uh, agenda for our expo and the communications. This is a piece that we've come up with uh, post-Katrina, and that is a 1-800 evacuation check-in uh, number that our residents can call into in the event that um, we must evacuate. Residents can call, let the Broadmoor Improvement Association know exactly where they are, uh, let us know what their barriers may be uh, to returning or what their issues are at that particular time. Uh, when I evacuate, I'm responsible for taking the Vantage router with me, and I can um, plug it into a real live phone wherever I am, or I can also receive these messages uh, by Internet. So I don't have to have access to a telephone. And then they just, the voices, uh, the voice uh, mails just come right over the internet. But this is something that we've done 
today uh, after Katrina, but it's surely something that you can do now as well uh, in the event a disaster to strike. And again, I told you about some other things, the rideshare program that we've created now. Uh, and it's aiding residents to get out. And as I mentioned, there is no place of last resort. So again, it's the neighbors who are responsible for one another. And we have residents can sign up to take an elderly out. Uh, we can take kids out, or whomever needs a ride out, pets, things like that, because a lot of people in Broadmoor and in the city of New Orleans stayed because of their pets. And pets are our, they're our family, you know, very important. I have a, a little Bichon Frise who, who went with me, and I would not, um, definitely would not leave him, and I wouldn't plan to in the future. But these are just, again, tailor uh, the information and correspondence to the residents that live within your community and um, give them the information that they need to, to uh, make sure that they survive and that we continue to help one another because it's all about what we can do not only for ourselves but for our community. And just in closing, I want to leave you just with some additional points that I've made throughout the presentation. And just, it's really, we are, we are our first responders. We have to take care of ourselves and take care of one another. And that is really what uh, the city of San Francisco wanted you to take away from this empowerment uh, network seminar today. Look out for yourselves. And one other thing that's very important, you know, the disaster doesn't have to necessarily affect your community, uh, but it will affect someone else's. So if you're okay, that doesn't mean that you're off the hook. It means that you have a greater responsibility to neighbors that are living adjacent to you, whether it's five miles away or whether it's 100 miles away, regardless, of they're your neighbors. And um, as you know, well, 80% of the city of New Orleans was inundated with water, so there was that 20% that was not affected. But that 20% has aided New Orleans in its recovery. People were able to come back sooner. And that was really the, the land that people could live on that was not inundated with water. So it's very important that regardless if the disaster hits you, you still have a responsibility. Because whom, you know, much is given, much is required. And um, that's a part of that resiliency that you will not only see in yourselves, but in your residents that um, live adjacent to you or in another uh, neighboring community not far from you. So get involved and, you know, do your part in your recovery and do your part today to make it all worth it. And strengthen your neighborhood associations now. Know your neighbors now and understand that we're not just homes, we're people. So thank you for your time and thank you for having me. And I really appreciate being here with you today. Thank you. So the mayor is uh, engrossed in, in the remarks that Latoya just shared with us, but 
on behalf of the City County of San Francisco um, and Mayor Gavin Nissen, I want to present you with this token of our appreciation for joining us this week. We know you're a very busy woman, and we just want to thank you how much you're honored to have you here today. So thank you very much. Well, thank you. And, you know, this is, um, you know, they're um, telling me, or you hear Latoya this, Latoya that, but it's really the residents of Broadmoor. And again, as I mentioned, that we all have to depend on ourselves and one another. And it's because of the residents of Broadmoor that I'm here, but it's because of the residents of Broadmoor that Broadmoor lives. And just make sure that uh, you put yourself and your community in a position to live and to sustain itself should a disaster strike. So thank you so much. Thank you. I would like to say that um, New Orleans, like San Francisco, uh, is a tourist town. And the reality is, is that uh, while we had an incredible experience down there and witnessed a level of devastation that is incomprehensible. I mean, just to give you an idea, imagine driving down Gurry Boulevard today and everything looks the same as it did before the disaster. It's just all the stores are open. It looks great. But you take a right or a left turn. And it, the, all the homes between Geary and the Presidio and Geary and Golden Gate Park are either burned down, empty, or destroyed by water damage. Just imagine what that would be like. And you've just driven down a street in New Orleans. So I just want you to give you an impression of the level of devastation that's still there today, um, sadly, but with leadership with people like Latoya, um, it'll change. But the reason why I mention the tourist part is Bourbon Street still open. Mardi Gras is still going to happen. So everybody in this room, if you haven't made up your mind where you're going to go on vacation next year, I think you should re pull out your pocketbook and go spend some money in New Orleans because that's what they need down there is they need your investment and your support. So uh, I know I'm going back. And uh, if anyone wants to go, let me know. I'll go with you. Um, really quickly, I want to do some last-minute thank yous. There's one person who wasn't mentioned um, in, in the discussion today about our work in New Orleans, and that's Tony Irons. Tony Irons uh, is a member of the PUC who's almost taken upon himself to like single-handedly restore Woodrow Wilson School in the middle of uh, the Broadmoor. So Tony Irons deserves a, a round of applause as well. He's an amazing person. I do want to also point out that I, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed about the attention I'm getting today. I want to be honest with you. There are 25 people that every day for the last six weeks have worked on this project, and I want to ask all the volunteers and those people who are involved in uh, that to stand up right now for a round of applause that are here today. Come on. We have shirts on like this. Come on, you guys. You deserve it. Tom, Patty, everyone, thank you. Amen. And uh, I also want to ask today's panelists that are here today, uh, the panelists to stand up as well. Uh, they worked many hours before this to make the success. So, Allie, come on. Hey. Hate, uh, Hate Street Bee Patrol, come on, you guys are amazing. Of course, I want to thank the resource fair vendors who came. Um, the team here at Bill Graham Civic Auditorium, just so you know, I loaned this stage to Barack yesterday, so, you know, he owes me some money. But the reason why we have this amazing setup isn't because we're flush with cash. It's just because we're, we're using, reducing, and recycling uh, here in San Francisco. And so we did that with the stage. But thank you to the Bill Graham team. Uh, they were very helpful. Lastly, I want to thank SF Safe, um, Sydney Brennan and her team. They're our fiscal partner for the Neighbor Empowerment Network. They've been in town here for 30 years doing the kind of work we're building on. So SF Safe, a big heartfelt thank you. They're going to be our partner moving forward. So thank you, SF Safe. 
And then lastly, you know, uh, again, sort of embarrassing uh, some of the things that have been said today regarding me. I have to tell you that I feel like I'm just following in the footsteps of a lot of amazing people that have uh, held my seat in my office, like Bevan Dufty, Alex Turk, uh, people like that. But also I think all of us who really understand what it takes to run a great city and have been working in the trenches and neighborhoods for a long time owe a big round of applause for Ed Lee, who is just an amazing person. So Ed, this would not have happened today if it weren't for Ed Lee, I guarantee you. So Ed Lee, thank you very much. So the only change today that I want to give everyone...